Welcome to Excess Returns, where we focus on what works over the long term in the markets. Join us as we talk about the strategies and tactics that can help you become a better long-term investor. Justin Carboneau and Jack Forehand are principals at Validia Capital Management. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Validia Capital. No information on this podcast should be construed as investment advice. Securities discussed in the podcast may be holdings of clients of Validia Capital. Hey guys, this is Justin. In this episode of Excess Returns, Jack and I take a look at one of the quantitative stock selection models run on Validia. Specifically, we walk through our implementation of the Twin Momentum Model, which is a strategy that initially came out of the academic world and combines price momentum with fundamental momentum. We work through the criteria used in the model and some of the characteristics we've seen from the strategy since implementing it in the Validia system. If after listening, you find this valuable and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and send us a screenshot to podcast at validia.com, we'll give you a free month to Validia Professional, which is where you can get full and complete access to the Twin Momentum Investor Model. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, today we're going to talk about one of the strategies we run on Validia. It's called Twin Momentum. It's one of the newer strategies. When I say new, it's there was an initial set of strategies developed back in 03. And then throughout the years, we've added new strategies to the site and Twin Momentum, which is based on a research paper, which we'll get into, um, is one of the newer ones. And not surprisingly, one of the better performing ones, given that momentum and growth stocks have really done really well over the past five and even 10 years. But maybe before we get into um, the strategy itself, Jack, let's talk a little bit about momentum in general and this idea of the different kinds of momentum that one can look at. I mean, most investors know price momentum. So things like relative strength or um, intermediate term momentum, which is like 12 minus one month momentum. That's oftentimes used in academic research. And then there's things like you can use like, you know, moving averages, I guess, how the percentage above, you know, moving average to reflect, you know, whether or not stock is exhibiting strong momentum. So there's a lot of different ways you can do it. But this idea of, sort of price momentum versus fundamental momentum and sort of what, you know, I guess both are measuring or does price momentum actually usually reflect fundamental momentum? Yeah, you know, if you look at the academic research, the vast majority of it uses price momentum. And so they're looking at stocks that have gone up in the intermediate term and thinking, you know, that stocks that have gone up in the intermediate term tend to continue going up. And so this is an interesting paper because it's different because your traditional academic research doesn't care why the stock's been going up. It just cares that the price has been going up. And so this this paper took a look at it and said, well, what if we add fundamental momentum? So what if we also say, you know, not only is the price going up, but the fundamentals are going up as well. So, you know, proponents of price momentum would say, well, this is already captured in price momentum. You know, you're not enhancing the signal by adding fundamental momentum because typically if stocks are going up, you know, you're seeing this increase in fundamentals as well. And, you know, price momentum captures all the signal you need. But this paper looked at it in a different way. And this, this paper said, well, if you add price momentum and fundamental momentum together, they saw effectively double the excess return. And so by looking at seven different variables and, and seeing are those variables also going up along with price, they were able to enhance the return. And a, and a good example, this strategy makes a lot of sense to me because a good example is to take a look at the 90s. So in the late 90s, obviously anything to do with technology was going up. You know, the, the solid companies like Intel and Cisco were going up, but the pets.coms of the world were also going up. 
And this is an interesting strategy to try to separate those. So this type of strategy would have picked up the Cisco's and the Intel's of the world. It would not have picked up pets.com because pets.com did not have strongly improving fundamentals. And to me, it's an, as an investor, it's an interesting way to maybe do better on the backside of something like that, because, you know, I, I didn't want to end up owning as much as you got great returns in pets.com in the nineties, you did not want to own pets.com in 2000, obviously it went bankrupt. So. The, this type of thing is not going to avoid those types of bubble scenarios. Obviously, Intel and Cisco, you know, they lost a lot of money too in 2000, but they didn't lose as much money as these companies that were purely speculative, speculative that didn't have any fundamentals improving. So and, and at a conceptual level, I really like this strategy because it is coupling the price momentum with the fundamental momentum to try to find companies that are going up, but there's also a reason they're going up. Yeah, just to play off of that, it kind of works on the sort of the back end too. So, you know, in the late 90s, you had... Obviously the tech bellwethers like Microsoft and Cisco, these were really good companies, but yet they were like really expensive. And then obviously the bear market came and those, all those stocks got crushed. But I think like when you look and it took Microsoft something like 12 or 13 years to get back above, um, you know, where it was in 2000. But what's interesting, and I just read an article on this yesterday that Microsoft's fundamentals were actually improving at that time or throughout that period. So, you know, that was one of the things that I think with a lot of these large tech companies over the past five years, let's say, um, or really since the great financial crisis is a lot of people, if you were like a value investor and you were anchoring to what happened in the late nineties, I think a lot of times you would look at those companies like the biggest ones in the market, Facebook, Amazon, Microsoft, and think they're, they look really expensive, but actually their fundamentals, they were like, grow, you know, their fundament, they were delivering on the fundamentals so that they were kind of growing into their valuations. And I think a strategy like twin momentum would have been able to uncover that because you're coupling the fundamental momentum with the price. That's right. No, this is, this is avoiding the Nikolas of the world and the Palantirs and, you know, th these types of companies that have IPO'd and that are going up a ton, but don't necessarily have the improving fundamentals. Um, so th that's an important aspect of what this, this is doing. And, you know, for me, just as an investor, it makes me feel more comfortable. You know, there's obviously debate in terms of the academic research about whether fundamental momentum actually adds value to price momentum or not. But for me as an investor, I just feel better about the fact that, you know, I, I own companies that actually are improving, that they're, that they're actually are getting better and their fundamentals are actually going up. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about the, the performance, at least the back-tested performance in the paper and, and um, the types of returns that were generated? Yeah, so it, they did an interesting thing in the paper. They, they first started by dealing with price momentum on its own. Then they dealt with fundamental momentum on its own, and then they dealt with the combination. And so, and, and just like most academic research, they were doing long, short testing here. So they were, you know, going long the highest rated stocks and going short the lowest rated stocks, which is what you typically see in, in most academic research. And so, they got an average monthly return on the price momentum portfolio of 0.88 percent. They got an average monthly return of 0.93 percent on the fundamental momentum portfolio, and then they got 2.16 percent on the combined portfolio. And so in this case, they were effectively doubling the return by adding the price momentum and the fundamental momentum together. So this, this is sort of an example of the opposite of what some of the people who are the advocates of price momentum would say. In, in this case, they're showing empirically that by adding in the fundamental momentum, they're getting a better excess return than they were getting by using each, each one of them individually. When we talk about these academic research papers, they're always available on SSRN. Um, where you can download them for free, basically. You might have to be a registered user, but and then you can kind of dig into the findings from um, this research paper and any other research papers on there. 
So let's sort of step into the strategy then. Yeah, so on the on the price momentum side, they're using the 12 minus one momentum, which is the, the most common price momentum characteristic. On the fundamental side, they're using a combination of seven variables, return on equity, return on assets, earnings per share, accrual-based operating profit to equity, cash-based operating profit to assets, gross profit to assets, and net payout ratio. Um, but taking a step back, like at a higher level, what they're what they're trying to do is find stocks that are in the top 20% or the top quintile of the database using both of those. So that would mean they're exhibiting both price momentum and fundamental momentum. The way they got at the fundamental momentum in the paper, the price momentum is pretty simple, but the way they got at the fundamental momentum was, was incredibly complex. Um, you know, I'll, I'll just to read a little bit of it. They say for each stock, calculate four moving averages for each fundamental variable over the last one, two, four, and eight quarters for a total of 28 moving averages across all stocks relate next month's excess return to the, re the most recent 28 fundamental moving averages via multiple regression to obtain 28 fundamental trend betas. For each fundamental beta of each stock, calculate an expected beta as the average of the last 12 monthly betas. For each stock, calculate a fundamental implied return by applying the 28 expected betas to the most recently available 28 fundamental moving averages. So, you know, if, if your head's spinning right now, you know, mine is as well. It, it, that's, that's one of the more complex strategies we've seen. So what we did is, you know, we try to make strategies understandable for people. And so what we've done with our implementation of this is we've done some more simple calculations in terms of rates of growth to try to get at the overall trend in each of these seven variables. And then we calculate a combined number that gets at that overall trend. So we're getting to something very close to what they got at the paper but we're trying to make it something that would be understandable for people. Because if we were to put this on validity.com as, as what the strategy is, nobody would understand what it is. And so to sum it up though, what we're doing is we're trying to, we're looking at the top 20% of our database in terms of 12 minus one price momentum. We're looking at the top 20% of our database in terms of the trend in, in these seven fundamental variables. We're taking stocks that have commonality that are on both of those lists. And then we're sorting using a combined ranking of price and fundamental momentum to come up with the top, you know, on our site, we show the top 10 or the top 20 stocks. We're using that combined ranking to come up with the top 10 or 20 stocks. And so that's basically the strategy. The, the only other thing I would say about the strategy that we changed a little bit is their main model in the paper used two-year fundamental momentum, but they also tested it out to five years. And they, they found that it worked, you know, pretty much just as well in all those periods. And so we tend to like long-term trends better. So we went and used five years. So we're using five-year trend in all those variables, not two years, which was the main model. Um, although they did, they did prove out five years as well in the paper. Right. So like you said at the beginning, what this gets you is companies are, are exhibiting strong price strength via their just their intermediate term momentum, their price momentum. And then the fundamentals are sort of supporting it because the, the growth or the trend in fundamentals is showing improvements over a long period of time, or at least five years in our case. So I think your your point was a good one that, you know, you can get a little bit more comfortable with following a strategy like this if you want, if you're like a momentum type of investor, because you know that the company's fundamentals, at least historically, have been um improving. Um, but the one thing that we also know with these momentum strategies is, you know, you certainly do have a higher degree of turnover. So anytime you're introducing the price momentum statistic in there, you know, you, you have this obviously on a daily basis, the, the list could change. We rebalance our portfolios monthly, quarterly, or annually, but momentum strategies tend to work a little bit better with the more frequent rebalancing. So I think if you were going to deploy this, you'd want to do something more frequently than a year, probably like a quarter or even a monthly rebalance. Um, but like you noted, 
uh, in some of the notes here that you put together, you know, it is a pretty high turnover strategy and that would be something you'd have to be sort of careful about. Yeah, you know, we're implementing it as a long only strategy. And, and in the paper, they tested long only, they tested long short, you know, it, it stood on its own as a long only strategy, but that does impact the turnover. We have a little bit less turnover than they did in the paper because we're implementing just the long only part of it. But in the, in the paper, they had 80, 88% per month turnover, which is obviously incredibly high turnover. We have something, you know, a decent amount less than that on our monthly rebalance portfolio. But your point is, is, is valid. You know, all these momentum strategies require turnover in order to work. You know, when we've looked at any momentum strategy we've tracked, when it's rebalanced monthly, it does a lot better than when it's rebalanced annually. So, you know, th that's just something to know when you go into these momentum strategies is you are going to have to turn over your portfolio to some extent in order to get the momentum signal. Um, you know, a couple other things that were, I thought were interesting from the paper is one is they found the effect was greater in small stocks. Um, and that's pretty much typical of almost everything we've seen in factors. Um, you know, value works better in small stocks. You know, pretty much any factor we've seen tends to be magnified in small stocks. So th there may not be a small cap effect in terms of just buying small stocks may not produce you any premium, but most of the other effects, most of the other factors tend to work better in small stocks. And you're seeing that here as well. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is they found that it works better when sentiment is high. So when investor sentiment is high, the strategy tends to perform better. We haven't done anything with that. Um, you know, we don't have any reliable measures of sentiment we use, but that, that was interesting that they that they found that it performs better when, when sentiment is high. Two things with that. So, you know, O'Shaughnessy's cornerstone growth strategy has a momentum component with relative strength, and that's obviously applied to the small cap universe. So I think some of O'Shaughnessy's research backs up the fact that momentum, you know, is, is stronger sort of in small caps. Um, when you say sentiment is high, does that mean just investors are bullish or positive? Yeah, yeah, and invest, investor sentiment is, yeah, investors are okay. positive in general. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, and I'll maybe let you sort of wrap it up, but I think this is a, it's a, it's an interesting, unique strategy. Again, it's one that, you know, combines this idea of price momentum and fundamental momentum. And um, certainly in our strategy set, um, it's been one of the very, very strong performers um, it's probably had the tailwind of this momentum type market or favorability going on. Um, and, you know, eventually that probably will change or diminish, uh, particularly if value starts to come back, I would expect some of these momentum strategies to struggle, but this has, you know, a long-term test behind it. It seems to make sense. So I think investors can certainly learn a lot by understanding the strategy and just thinking about it. There's certainly debate as to whether adding fundamental momentum to price momentum adds value. You know, you, you'll find people that were very smart on both sides of that. So, you know, we don't mean to conclude that, you know, adding fundamental momentum definitely increases the return of a price momentum strategy. There's certainly, you know, great arguments on both sides of that. But one of the things I think is important, and for me, this is important, is if I'm following momentum strategy or if I'm following any strategy, it's important that I believe in what I'm doing. And you sort of got at this point that for me, I feel better if I'm buying momentum stocks, I feel better if I know that the companies are actually doing better as well. And they're not, they're not just going up for no reason. So for me, this would be a better strategy than a price momentum strategy. But that's, that's something specific to me. But I, I think that's important for every investor to think about that is, you know, with any strategy is what do you believe in? What makes sense for you? And, and so I think for some people, adding this fundamental component in and, you know, looking at stocks that are doing well in addition to their price going up, you know, can be an interesting way to look at momentum. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, good way to wrap it up. Um, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Hi guys, this is Justin again. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Excess Returns. You can follow Jack on Twitter at, at PracticalQuant 
and follow me on Twitter at, at JJ Carboneau. If you found this discussion interesting and valuable, please subscribe in either iTunes or on YouTube or leave a review or a comment. We appreciate it.